0: You're listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your
1: everyday life. So just diving in, I'm going to be sharing for a little bit and then Caleb's going to come up and share and then we're going to partake in communion with you guys. Um, just, you know, as the kids were reading Luke 24, just of that day, Sunday, right in that morning, um, I was kind of thinking about how to understand how they must have felt on Sunday. We need to remember what they must have felt like on Friday, on Good Friday, when Jesus was crucified and when he died. And, um... I just wanted to share an experience I had actually this past Friday, on Good Friday. Um, and uh, Caleb encouraged me to share it, so I'm going to. And um, it'll you know make sense as I go on what I mean by understanding Friday to understand Sunday's feelings. Um, so on Friday morning, I woke up, I went to our living room, got my coffee, and I was, I just opened up to Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53, if you don't know, it's the prophecy about the suffering servant who's going to come and save the people, right? And this, we know that this prophecy is actually talking about Jesus. And this was prophesied like 700 years before Jesus. So if that's not mind-blowing, I don't know, it is to me. And I was reading through Isaiah 53, and then I went to the Gospels. Um, but as I was reading 50, Isaiah 53, I just started crying. Like I couldn't stop. And um, I was in the living room, so there were people around, and I just like got up, took my Bible and went to my bedroom and I just shut the door because I just needed to get alone with God. I just felt that, you know. And I cried. For over an hour, about an hour. I couldn't stop. And I was reading, you know, in Isaiah 53 He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like he didn't defend himself, he didn't say a word. Like, imagine that. And I, I read these and went into the Gospels and reading just the story of the crucifixion. I just cried. And I felt like I was there. You know, in Luke 24, it talks about these women. And I felt like I was there with these women looking on to what was happening. I saw the scene. I saw Jesus being mocked, being spat on. I saw it. I saw him hanging on the cross and we were crying out and we were, it was like so gut wrenching. I almost couldn't bear it. It was so unjust. So you think about that. Think about the anguish that they were feeling. And then on top of it, I, I know that I played a part in his torment because he carried my sin. My sin and my shame was on that cross with him, you know, and just that weightiness of it. And so he dies, and then on the third day comes Sunday. And I think of these women that the kids just read about, you know, they're, they got up in the morning, they have their spices, they're walking to the tomb, you know, to see Jesus' body, put these spices And I can just imagine them in still such sadness and grief. This Jesus that they had followed, that they had walked with, ate with, heard, seen do miracles. Just the hope that they had in this man, Jesus. And then he was gone. Can you imagine what that would feel like? The grief of that. And they were walking and they get to the tomb and Jesus isn't there. His body is gone. And they start wondering, where, where is Jesus? And these angels appear. And they tell him, "What? why are you looking? He's alive. He's risen. And can you imagine thinking what they felt on Friday and even that Sunday morning as they walked to the tomb? The thrill of hope that would have filled their heart. I mean, wow, 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 is all I can say. Friday was gruesome and Sunday was glorious. And so I think to fully grasp the celebration and the hope, we have to understand what it felt like on the Friday and the Saturday and even the Sunday morning. And so what I see from this is that God turns tragedy into triumph. Always he does, you guys, he does. He took something evil, unjust, and gut-wrenching, and it turned out to be the greatest gift known to humanity. No question about it. Like, amazing! And we can see this principle so clearly in the Easter story. But I want to ask you guys, can you see it in your own life or in the world around you, where he takes tragedy and turns it into triumph? You know, think about it. And um, I know I've seen it in my life lots, but there's this one, you know, personal experience I've had, and I'm going to share it with you. Um, Some of you already know this, but In 2012, I miscarried our fourth baby. And, you know, I know that some people, you know, they can kind of make miscarriage out to be no big deal, but for Caleb and I, that wasn't the case. Um, It hurt real bad. And uh, really, there's no words describing the loss of a child, no matter how small the child is. so, I remember this specific morning, short, you know, a few days after we've, you know, we had been praying that God would intervene and, you know, let the baby live, all this stuff. Um, anyways, that didn't happen. And I remember sitting on my couch, I was home by myself, and I was just weeping. I was so sad, so, so sad. And I felt the Lord with me, though. And I remember in that moment thinking, I could either completely ignore him and harden my heart because I'm really upset right now and I don't understand what's going on or I can remember that he's good and that he's with me. So I'm really grateful that I chose that path. Um, So I just knew he was with me and I said to him in the ugly cry, you know, if you've ugly cried, you try to catch your breath in between. And I said to him, Is this how you felt, Jesus? Is this what it feels like to suffer? And Jesus replied to me, Yes, a glimpse. And I just, you know, I didn't really think about his answer. I just kept crying and just, you know, that processing, that grief. And uh, a few weeks later, I started thinking about his answer. And, uh, something in me was grateful and it's like I got to taste a micro fracture of the suffering that he had endured and it felt like a gift and I know that sounds maybe strange um, but it was true I felt more in tune to his suffering I felt closer to him through this so even though it sucked it was awful He did bring something good in it, and it changed me for the better. It really did. And on top of it, if I hadn't, you know, had that miscarriage, lost that baby, we wouldn't have our Noah. And if you know Noah, (laughs) he's amazing. He brings so much joy to our family. He is so joyful and cuddly, and we could not imagine our life without him. And so he brought good out of that situation and brought me closer to him through that. And so you may be going through something that's difficult right now. I think a lot of us, you know, and um, I just say to you, he can take the hardest, most painful situations and make them beautiful. And because the God of the universe brought the greatest good through the greatest pain, tragedy, and justice, you know, on that Friday, Good Friday, we can have hope in the face of any situation. There is always, always hope. Caleb.
0: Preach. I love listening to my wife preach. Uh, just that that message, that is the Easter message, hope in any circumstance, a living hope, an undefeatable hope, a resilient hope. Um, and as Telsey was sharing this, and I knew a bit of what she was going to go into, I found myself thinking about uh, Peter and these words that Peter wrote, actually about 30 years following the story of Jesus' resurrection. And before we look at them, I just want to talk, like, who was Peter? We heard about Peter in the story that the kids read to us, which was amazing. Thank you, children, for your contribution this morning. Um, Peter was this guy, right, who walked with Jesus, similar to the ladies that Telsey was describing. And we know Peter as this guy who was zealous about his following Jesus. He was passionate. He had stuff to say all the time. He was the guy who tried to persuade Jesus not to go die on the cross. He was the guy who made big claims about his commitment to Jesus. And then when really rubber hit the road and trouble came, denied Jesus and denied association with Jesus. And in the midst of the the grief of that moment, those days later, just like Tulsi was talking about, we've been talking about this morning, he saw Jesus risen. He saw the one who embodied his hopes for a good future die and then raise from the dead. He saw the one who he had denied when he was risen come to him and forgive him and restore him and commission him. This Peter wrote these words about all of this. We're going to read some from 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verse 3 to 5, and then we're going to jump to verse 10 to 12. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And the verses in between, we're not going to read. He's talking about rejoicing and suffering and trial because it's testing and proving our faith. And then he goes on in verse 10 and he says, concerning this salvation... The prophets, like Telsi was mentioning in Isaiah 53, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with great care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you in the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And what Peter is getting at, right, he's talking about this living hope that we receive through the resurrection of Jesus. He talks about an inheritance that will never perish, never spoil, never fade. And he's saying that this whole thing that happened with Jesus suffering and his resurrection was foretold. It was prophesied. And Jesus spoke of this in the reading that the kids did. And what we see in the resurrection of Jesus, it's not just some magic trick. I think it's really important how we view it. What I mean by that is it wasn't just a display of power that we step back and go, whoa, about. But it was actually... The promise of God that had been made from generations past being unveiled, being revealed. It was a moment where the veil was pulled back and we could see, oh my gosh, this is what was promised. This is how it happens. This is what it looks like. And it's also a pattern revealed of death and resurrection in the way that God works. So in this story, we see the promise unveiled and the pattern revealed of God's way, of fulfilling his purposes, of fulfilling his plans in the earth. Like Telsey said, bringing uh, from tragedy a great triumph. And with this being his way, what it speaks to us, what it puts in us, is this hope that won't be taken imperishable, undefeatable, living hope that is resilient in the face of any situation. You know, when you carry on and you read the rest of 1 Peter, it's this letter that's written to a persecuted suffering church. And all throughout the letter, Peter is talking to these people about how do you live in this broken world. With persecution, with misunderstanding, with all of the pain that comes with life in this world, how do you live in that world as a kingdom people? And it's with this view of God's way of death and resurrection in mind that actually equips us to live in this world. Peter goes on and he talks to them throughout the letter about our call to live in this world seeking to do good for those around us, benefiting the world in which we live with our lives. And there is this this way that we live as these kingdom people with the hope of resurrection rooted in our hearts, that in the face of great trial and great suffering and great difficulty, we can carry on with hope. Because we have seen this manifestation of God's kingdom in Jesus, where where the fullness of the kingdom was embodied in this person and displayed to us. But now we live in what many uh, people call this principle of the kingdom, that it's already, already displayed in Jesus, but not yet. Not fully actually manifest in the earth, in all things. And in knowing that and in walking in that, we get to live in this world working for good. Not with some view of creating some utopia all on our own. We get to be a part of it in part. But no, not at the same time with some defeatism. Oh, no good's ever going to come. Everything's horrible. You know, it's like we live in this, this place where we have a view and a vision of this glorious future that God has in store for the world and that he wants to bring about through people who love him and follow him and serve those around them. And we can work towards that with a great hope, a hope that can't be taken from us, a hope in any situation. And you guys know it, right? We don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it. We've been in a crazy year. Everybody knows it. And lots of people have all sorts of views about what's actually going on in this crazy year. You know, there's the the pandemic. Or there's people who talk about a big plan at work behind it all. Or others who say it's all about persecution. But whether pandemic, plan, or persecution, God's purposes won't be stopped. It doesn't really matter what you want to call it. It doesn't really matter what the enemy has In his hand to be working with. And what he's trying to do in the world. God is bringing about glorious good. That's his nature. And we see this in the cross. That it's actually in walking through the pain. And coming out on the other side of it. That God's good plan unfolds. That's what we live in. As a gospel saturated people. As a death and resurrection people. Knowing God's way. And so it's in the face of any circumstance, whatever we're facing as a society or whatever you're facing personally in your life, we can stand with a hope that's rooted in the fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead. And he will return to set all things straight. That's the promise. You know, it's not just this promise of escaping from this world. It's actually a promise of God coming and restoring the world, new heavens, new earth. This union between heaven and earth is what we've been told to pray for and to work towards. That's what we get to be a part of, you guys. And so an encouragement to you through the story of Easter is that whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, you come to Jesus, you put your trust in Jesus, you put your hope in Jesus, and it's a hope that can't be defeated. It can't be buried in the grave and remain there. It will rise, it will be fulfilled. The promises of God will be fulfilled. That applies to the world we live in, it applies to your life. So the invitation is simple. The invitation is really simple. Come to Jesus. Hope in Jesus. Look on Jesus. Rehearse the good news of the gospel. And if you're watching today and you've never, ever had that faith in Jesus come into your heart, our prayer for you is that that would be what happens to you today. That even right now as you hear the story, that you'd come to know the truth of it. Like Telsey was talking about, you can see it in life. You can see it in the world around us. But it's best displayed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. God's way is revealed in it. So the invitation to you is trust in Jesus. And if you want to know what that looks like, you can email us. You can message us, however you want to reach out. Or if you know somebody who's a Jesus follower, reach out to them. But it's in the context of community that we get to know him. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to receive communion together. If you haven't already got elements before you, I encourage you, run and grab something. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be a fancy loaf of bread like this on a silver platter with with the wine. It could be... um, a cracker, some cereal, some milk, some coffee, like whatever you got. Feel free to grab it. But there's something really beautiful that we've been talking about this morning that this table represents. That this, uh, these elements here represent, like obviously we know that the body represents Jesus' body and the, and the cup represents his blood. And Tulsi's going to talk to us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, just before we take communion together, um, there's just been something that I just haven't been able to get away from um, since hearing this song um, by Stephanie Gretzinger. Um, it's this, the lyrics are, You, just Jesus, took the altar, but in this case, well, the cross is the altar, and made it a table. So we come from the cross, and now we have a place with him at the table, at his table. And um, I just think that's beautiful, a beautiful picture, and it stuck with me. I shared this a few weeks ago when I facilitated communion on our Facebook page. But just imagine that we get to sit at his table with him. And at his table, we have great provision, nourishment, peace, joy, wisdom, all the wonderful things, strength. We get to have that at His table with Him. And He broke the bread and He handed the wine, you know, poured the wine. And and we get to partake in what He's given us. And we get to be with Him. That through the cross and resurrection, we get to have a relationship with the God of the universe, the King of Kings. So not only the cross, he takes it a step further and is like, I have a table for you to be with me at and sit with me. And so,
0: yeah. So, So here we are, and we take of the body of Jesus. You can take a bit there. Hopefully you guys have something with you. But it is a beautiful thing, you know. You may... Find yourself thinking, why are, we, why are we focusing on the death of Jesus on Easter? And I think it is this very thing. It's beautiful, as Telsey's putting it, that, that this painful moment gets turned into something that nourishes us. We don't move on from it, guys. It's these things together, death and resurrection, that, that speak hope to us. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your body that was given for us, that you gave to us, that we might know you, that we might see what the Word made flesh really looks like. And we thank you for the body, your church, that you have brought us into, made us a part of, That we get to be a part of the family. That we get nourishment from one another. And we receive your body this morning with grateful hearts. Jesus' body given for you.
1: this juice or wine and Jesus we thank you that you have poured yourself out for us Jesus every sin shame guilt all of it you took it upon yourself you poured yourself out you bled on our behalf Jesus And we just want to say thank you Thank you that you remove every stain. Every stain is washed away by your power, by your sacrifice, by your love, your love that never fails. Drink of his blood given for you, shed for you. He is alive.
0: Come on. We have hope.
1: Always hope. Come on. And, uh, yeah, thank you for being with us this morning. We love you guys, and we love Jesus. We hope that today you are filled with that hope that we were talking about, that you find yourself overflowing with joy and hope today, and you go spread it wherever you go. If you go on a walk, say hello to everyone you walk by. Spread the hope and the joy that we have in him. He's
0: good. So I pray. Father, we ask for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done here in our lives, here in Victoria, through these lives. We ask you to cause this hope that we've been talking about to work deep, deep, deep into us that we would live and work toward the coming of your kingdom here in this city in our families in our relationships in our workplaces in our schools in our communities in jesus name amen have a blessed remainder of your easter weekend guys we are excited about what god has in store for his church in this season and we look forward to gathering again and, and seeing more of his plan unfold. We love you guys.
1: Love you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.